Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. The world doesn't need a check. They don't need somebody to come in and just fix their physical problems. They need the gospel. Because it's the gospel that ultimately will bear fruit and cause people to experience this kingdom that God has translated us into. I mean, it, it's, it's the gospel. That, you know, people are like, well, well how's Jesus going to help those people? Well, you know what? If they can get connected with God in such a way that they have peace within themselves, the alcoholism goes away. Some of you know that have struggled with substance abuse addiction, myself. You're just looking for peace. You're just looking for, you know, oh, God, how can I get out from under this pressure, you know? And, and the gospel is the only thing that inwardly can change you so that those desires change. And, and I just, I'm going to read a few scriptures here. I don't have a full sermon. I just have some scriptures that I want to read to you. I'm going to let the Bible speak for itself. You know, Jesus, when he showed up on the planet, he would say, repent and believe the gospel. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everything changed when Jesus came and established his kingdom, placed us as ambassadors, as righteous ambassadors, in that spiritual prevailing kingdom to go into this world and further the gospel. And here's the gospel. I just want to read some scriptures to you. This is Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. You, you probably won't have time to keep up. So, again, I'm going to post these on our website, you know, forwardchurch.net. I'm trying to keep that blog updated so you can have notes there. Jeremiah 31. This is the prophecy of the new covenant. I'm getting some ringing. Maybe trim that out a little bit. Uh, Behold... The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Now, the house of Israel is basically not, not an not a ethnic group on a piece of land in the Middle East. The house of Israel is the, the family of God. And we are the family of God, the children of Abraham, by faith through Christ. So when he's talking about Israel, he's not talking about people that fly a particular flag. He's talking about people that are God's children, which we are by faith. So, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers, in the day that I took them from there by the hand and led them out of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them. And, I, you know, you see this concept repeated a few times. That's how God sees himself. God is not a ruling dictator that is seeking to execute punishment, he calls himself a husband. So he says, but this is the new, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Now we're in those days. We're in the days of the new covenant. I will put my laws in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every Man is brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. For the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. So, 
He declares there's going to be a new covenant. And one of the fruits of the new covenant is, I will, dec- I will remember their sin no more. So Isaiah 54, verses 5 through 10. We've got it on our door. God's not mad at you no matter what. I'm telling you, man, that really makes religious people uptight. They do not like that. They want God to be angry. They want God to be judging them. They want God to be the blame for the earthquakes and the, you know, the, the California is going to fall in the ocean because of the gays out there. So it's like, you know what? No. Repent and believe the gospel. So for your maker is your husband. Again, this concept. And this is God communicating the kind of relationship that he has with us. The Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God, he is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you are refused, says your God, for a mere moment. Now, this mere moment aspect is Isaiah 53 is a prophecy about the suffering Messiah. And the Messiah, Jesus, being sent into the earth to take upon our sin, take upon himself our sin, our transgression, the chastisement needful for us to have peace with God was placed on Jesus. So Isaiah 54 is a continuation of the fruit of the Messiah fulfilling his call. And he says, and so this is kind of specific to the Messiah in this part. And he says, for a mere moment, I have forsaken you. But with great mercies, I will gather you. But it, it also applies to you know, people who come to know God. Uh, with a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you. So wrath, some translations say anger. Um, so what he's saying is, look, for a little while I was angry with you. But as, at the establishment of the new covenant, at the time of the Messiah fulfilling his call to take upon himself the transgression of the world, the result is, I was angry a little while, but with everlasting kindness. Everlasting kindness started at the cross, at the resurrection. God has shown nothing but everlasting kindness ever since then. All the stuff that we see attributed to God executing judgment in the the world, it all was placed on Jesus at the cross. His wrath was exhausted. Completely. Romans 3 tells us that Jesus was the propitiation for the sin of the world. And that means that all the anger and wrath God has was exhausted in Christ on the cross. God's not mad at you. So he says, But with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. For this, meaning the cross, is like the waters of Noah to me. For I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth... So have I sworn that I will not be angry with you, nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Now some would argue and say this is pushed off to when eternity begins, but it's not because we see Paul come along and confirm these in relation to Now, that generation that saw the Messiah walk and fulfill Isaiah 53 experiences and kindness and everlasting mercy forevermore. God is not angry with you. God is not rebuking you forevermore. 
Paul confirms here. So we've got 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 17. And this is, this is where we are. This is, this is who we are. This is where we are. And this is the message that as a result of the new covenant being established, as a result of Jesus being the propitiation for God's wrath, this is where we are. This is what God thinks about sin today for everybody, not just for believers, but also for the unbelieving world. Therefore, if any man, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new and all things are of God who has reconciled to himself, uh, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. All right, so God has reconciled us to himself. But we, by faith, have to take the step of trust so that we are reconciled to him. You know, you can forgive someone, but if they don't take the step to step toward you and forgive you or enter into that forgiveness that you have for them, the relationship is still broken. So we're not saying here that everybody's righteous, that everybody's, you know, in the covenant because God did some universal work and you don't have to respond by faith. No, He's reconciled the world to himself, and he, and, he, and he goes further here. But our job is to go out, preach the gospel, communicate the new covenant. God is not mad at you. And, and this, is, this is where he goes from here. He says, given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what we do. We don't go out and try to convince people that God made the world in six days. I mean, you know... You can have those conversations, but you weren't there. You don't know how it happened. I believe the Bible, but debating gets you nowhere. So, and I'm going to go a little bit further. So, to know, given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to know that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, we are the ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, we, we're here praying for you, instead of Christ, be reconciled to God. For he who made him sin, for, so, for he who made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. And then it says, whosoever believes, he gives the power to be the children of God. So, notice that it says, to the world, tell them, God is not holding your sins against you. It says, go into the world, not, it's reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses and their sins against them. God is not even holding the world's sins against them. Every sin for every person was punished in Christ on the cross. People, when, when they hit eternity and they go to the right or to the left, it's not dependent upon whether they sinned or not because that has been removed. It's dependent upon what have you done with Jesus. Righteousness is the standard and righteousness comes by faith. Righteous, this righteousness does not come by works. So people don't stand before God and are judged for eternal life or not, by their works, they're judged by righteousness. And righteousness only comes in Christ. What have you done with Christ? That's the point here. 
Go in and tell them, look, God has extended kindness and mercy towards you. God has forgiven your sin. Now, will you reconcile yourself to him? Will you allow him to cleanse you? Will you allow that sacrifice of Christ to be your righteousness? Because God's not holding your sin against you. That's the message of the covenant. So you see, you read through the Gospels, right? And you see Jesus and he says, uh, and it says that he healed a bunch of people and then it says he preached the message of the kingdom or he preached the gospel of the kingdom. And it's like, so what did he say? You know, we really only have a few recorded actual sermons of Jesus, but there's several times it says of him, when you read the gospels, go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll see it. And it says, he preached the kingdom. Okay, well, what did he say? He was confirming what Jeremiah said, and that is, as a result of the Messiah being here, the new covenant is being established, and part of the new covenant is God is not holding your sins against you, and as a result of me, the Messiah, being here, showing you God, God is no longer angry with you because of what I'm about to do. He's preaching the gospel, and that is God's not holding your sins against you. Jesus says of himself, if I be lifted up, I will draw all unto me. Guess what? Men is not in the original language. It's italicized, so you have to read it in context. In context, right before he says that passage, he's talking about judgment. And it's, it makes more sense because it's a direct correlation to the children of Israel who God told them, make the serpent of brass, hold it up, and as long as you behold that and, and you're, you're acknowledging God, judgment is cast on that serpent and you are clean. That's a shadow of Jesus. If Jesus is lifted up, he would draw all judgment to himself. Go back and read that passage. He says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all judgment to me. We, we preach it as if, if we'll just lift Jesus up and we praise him and we worship him, then somehow magically all people are going to be drawn to God, to Jesus. Well, not, that's not really what it's saying. He says, I've come so that you might have life. And he knew that he was going to go to that cross and become the sin of the world. That's why he said, I'm not feeling this, God. You know, I, if there's any other way to do this, let's do it a different way. We're new creatures, and every person on the planet has the potential to make that decision to have faith toward God in the finished work of the cross and be made that new creature, which changes repentance because repentance is not about when God forgives you. Repentance is about you changing your mind and letting go of your own dead works righteousness and, and believing that Jesus is your righteousness. Now, we should repent from dead works and repent from sin and, and turn away from it. But it's not your, like, repentance is not your sacrifice for sin. Because you got that being preached right now. People are like, we've just repent. If the nation would repent, let's get on our knees and let's have... You know, arenas full of people crying and repenting, and then maybe God will hear, and then maybe God will heal the land. It's like, you know what? God's already forgiven you. Your repentance does not cause God to forgive you. Your repentance causes you to wake up and realize, oh my God, God has forgiven me. That's the gospel. God is not holding your sins against you. Even the whole world 
even to the point where God can legitimately say, all of my wrath has been satisfied on Christ, on the cross. Now, you go tell people God's not holding your sins against you. God is not wrathful with you because of the cross. Now, be reconciled to God. That's the gospel. And you know what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. <laughs> Romans 1.6. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now get this, because this will help you too. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power. You want to walk in the power? You don't need to go get some special anointing, impartation from some dude that had some weird experience. <laughs> Preach the gospel. You walk in the power. Now, you have the anointing of Christ within you. You have been called to go lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You've been called to raise the dead and all the stuff that we want to do and call that the power of God. And that is a manifestation of the power of God working through us. But the gospel is the power of God. It's the gospel that opens people's hearts to, to receive a miracle. Miracles are temporary. The gospel will last forever. One more scripture. Hang on. You know, I've seen people lose miracles. The gospel, when it's believed, always bears fruit. So, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. Now we know that there's no difference. So, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So, one more scripture on that point. It says, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Now, the revival ministries, the supernatural focused, charismatic, let's, miracles are going to save the world, relate power to miracles. Now, again, miracles are a result of the power. But what did he say? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. The kingdom of God is not in word alone, but in power. The kingdom of God is in the gospel. As we carry the presence and the Spirit of God, we have the anointing within us to do all that stuff that God said we would do. And we want to do that, and we want to get better at it and see more of it because it proves God's will. But you want to walk in the power of God? Understand the cross and preach reconciliation with God by faith because God is not mad at you and God is not holding your sins against you. You can preach that message anywhere. You can go to a gay pride festival and stand there and show them the love of God. And, you know, it's not friction like the bullhorn guy that's standing there saying, you're going to hell. <laughs> Amen? Amen? It's what the world needs. And, and, and places like, you know, where Sarah has gone and where Caitlin has gone and where Teresa is and many of us are going and done and seeing and what all that stuff, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> but what we need to take is the truth, God. You know, and, and so then you, and then you open people up into that kind of relationship where it's like, you know what, now I'm, I'm going to have a spiritual mindset about life and it will bear fruit in my life. Then you, then you teach people the, that the promises are yes and that God has given all spiritual blessings in heavenly places and, and we can walk 
in, kind of, in a kind of life where we consistently see the things manifested in our lives that we're all trying to figure out how to get them to work anyway. You know how they work? Repent and believe the gospel. And then go out and preach it. Pretty simple. And those signs will follow. Those and those signs will follow. That's right. You want to walk in the power? You don't have to try to figure out how to, you know, do the right incantation to get a miracle. That's right. You preach the gospel, which is God's not mad at you. God has forgiven you. There is a way to be united with him, even likened unto a marriage so close to him that you experience him. Then it makes miracles easy. 